Ruckus. This is Jamie Bennett, also known as Chun J from Royal Ruckus, and I'm here today with KJ52. Yeah. No beer, no brew. <laughs> you got some coffee. I got some coffee. It's that kind of brew. It's the, uh, it's the poor man's, uh, I call it, well, actually, here, it's, I'm drinking a Cafe Volani. Yeah, well, tell me it's about way it. way more intense than your average Caucasoid Joe that you would drink. Um, <laughs> So this place is down the street from the hospital where my son was born, and we were super exhausted from just like lack of sleep. And I've driven by here a thousand times, and I've grown up in a Cuban neighborhood, grown up around Cuban food my whole life. But for some reason, we stopped in here. My wife, I said, you know, babe, we're tired. Let's get some Cuban coffee. It's stronger. So I walked in and I said, uh, El, uh, to my broken bad Spanish. (laughs) <laughs> El Espresso y co- Cafe Cubano. Nice. And I was trying to get a Cafe con Leche. Right. And they gave us these coladas. And I had never seen it before. And it comes with these little cups, right? Yeah. Now, they know me enough. I come in here now. They stop giving me the cups. <laughs> but it always comes with these little tiny little dick, you know, like almost like a pill cup. Okay. So you get a tiny espresso cup and then five other tinier cups. And I thought, this is the dumbest thing. What am I going to do with these other extra cups? <laughs> I'm an American. Yeah. So I swig the whole thing, thinking it's okay. like a Starbucks espresso shot. Knowing nothing about the cultural implications of it is this is a traditional drink that you drink around two or three okay. with the people you're with. You split right. it. Everyone <laughs> drinks a shot, like a like a yeah. thimble sized drink of it. I down the whole thing and I'm I'm like I'm like, honey, I don't think my heart is gonna <laughs> is gonna explode out of my chest. But then I'm like, I feel like I've jumped, you know, stumbled onto kryptonite. I mean, not kryptonite, wow. just a, uh, a special uh, elixir of magis- yeah. magical powers. Yeah. So uh, I realized I could just get one and nurse it throughout the day. <laughs> I'm chilling. Nice. And uh, so now we come in here all the time. My son is big on Cuban food. And uh, they stopped giving me the cups because here comes the crazy Blanquito, who's not supposed right. to drink the whole thing. You don't even drink, you definitely don't drink it at 11. Well, at, at, at least you figure out what you want, though, what yeah. you like. Yeah. Now, what am I drinking? Because you had to help me order it. <laughs> you just drink, she said American coffee. Okay, because it, it tastes a little sweet. Yeah. Well, the thing, too, about the way they brew the, most people brew the beans and then add sugar into your cup. Okay. Coladas are brewed with the sugar infused into the bean. It's yeah. already sweet. So that must be part of what's going on here. But I'm part of the uh, <laughs> part of the lunar landing that's taking place yeah. behind us. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So you don't have to add sugar. And... Well, it's good. I like it. I needed something to get if, going. If you like, see, I've gotten so conditioned to it. Like when I hang out with propaganda. Yeah. And he tries to suggest like a pour over. Yeah. I just pour it over his head. Like, <laughs> just don't give me this watery Folgers. You know, I had, a pre- I had a pretty mean pour over in Nashville like a week ago. It just still tastes like four bucks, but it tastes like watery yeah. water coffee. <laughs> you just like you're paying for the acrobatics. Oh man, tell us how yeah. you really feel. I'm just saying, I'm <laughs> I've been to the promised land, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this place is great. You can get like enough food to last you for two days for like ten dollars, yeah. and enough caffeine to rock you. Yeah, I, I got myself a Cuban sandwich. I don't eat sandwiches very much, but uh, I figured if we were at a Cuban place. I don't know a lot of things to order, and it was like five bucks. <laughs> I don't know. The thing is, like, I brought my son here. It's like where he requests to come on a special occasion, 
and he just like halfway through just mouthful of pork chop he's like dad why is it so good <laughs> I was like well buddy it's sugar fat and salt like it's the <laughs> it's what we yeah. all love you know what I mean yeah. but it's it's any ethnic food I've found is like it's basically sugar fat and salt yeah just different ways of making it but it's essentially <laughs> sugar fat and salt and like it. it's food for people that don't have a lot so they make the best out of what they have you yeah. know what I mean yeah um, but yeah anyway well now uh, so what are you up to these days man you can just you got a new record out it's like eight songs right yeah but I'm about to drop the deluxe version okay. next month I have five new songs to add to it uh, first crowdfunded record oh nice um, so I'm in a I'm in a different space there um we just did a crowdfund Kickstarter for a documentary about my oh, story. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, so we finished that up, and then... Um, now, have you already finished filming, or...? No, no, no. So okay. we, we shot all the footage. Gotcha. But we he didn't do any of the editing. Okay. We did some, you know, basic editing or whatever, but um, this was all from a guy that was a fan as a kid. He's just an adult nice. now. yeah, yeah. And uh, just, he shot two videos for me, and then eventually he was like, man, I'm just fascinated by your story. I'd love to do a documentary about you. And I thought, that's perfect, because I want to do a deluxe version of my album. Yeah. I said, what if we combine the two? We could probably crowdfund it. Two things will kind of work off each other. Right. And I don't know, it's like, why not do different stuff now? I don't yeah, have yeah. any restrictions. There's right. no, so whatever I want to do, I do it. Whenever yeah, I want to yeah. release it, I release it. Yeah. You know, and the tribe, my tribe takes care of me. Yeah. You know? That's pretty cool. Um, now, how would you say your stuff right now is different than before? Well, I mean, I'm coming from a perspective of a 42-year-old man, so right. So that bleeds into the music. I'm not where I was at 25 when I came into the industry. I'm not where I was at 20 when I first started, right. with, you know, first recording. So, you know, it's a bit of introspection, but there's a lot of, like, the best way I could put it is... <laughs> It's like I'm an old MacBook Pro with updated software. <laughs> That's the best way I can explain it. It's like I'm, I like that. I'm your trusty MacBook Pro from <laughs> 10 years ago. You're just running a better OS. So like, I think I make better songs. Yeah. I think I'm speaking from a perspective that's not really been heard. You know, someone yeah. that's been around, that's still active, that's still as busy as ever. You know, but hip hop has changed. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And I still perform front of a lot of kids you know what I mean yeah. like, so it's like the weird thing is I hung around long enough for it to finally be accepted by the church <laughs> right. which is weird because now the fan base that grew up with me is now in their 30s and 40s so they really they didn't leave me right but they can now put me in front of their kids and there's right. not like a generation yet yeah so in a weird sense I'm in a really good almost renaissance period the best way I could put sure. it. Yeah, I but I'm that. not just doing music. I'm speaking, but the music sets up the speaking. The speaking sets up the music. Like I used to yeah. think I had to pick between one of the two. I used to think that there's someday I'm going to have to lay down the mic to do something else. And I realized I don't have to. And yeah. I think Generation X will probably be the first generation that will do hip-hop till we're dead. Yeah. We always said we wouldn't. Yeah, we always said oh, I don't want to be rapping when I'm 40. I don't want to hear right. no 35 year old rapper. That's the thing we said to each other. We forget that the kids now are growing up in a world where there's no, they don't know any different. It's like yeah. what rock yeah. was to me when I was 10. Right. Yeah, a, a buddy of mine described it as hip hop as the fountain of youth. <laughs> and and I would say I'll hear that statement and I will raise you. All right. That it is a young man's game and an old man's survival. 
know what I mean? So it still is the voice of the youth. They yeah. still are drawn to it because of that. Yeah. And it's not survival is a bit of a it's an extreme, but yeah. it's a survival in the sense that we're not kids where we only had ten dollars in our pocket, yeah, some wraps in our mind and our backpack, and we could just go for it. Yeah. We now have mortgages and kids, right? Careers. Yeah. So for us to survive is a different. Sure. It's a different look. Well, one of the things uh, I, I admired about you and like um, our buddy Pigeon John and you know a few other guys. Like, you guys were ahead of us a couple of years, um, but it seemed like you guys just each had drives to make it. Yeah. And, like, to make a living at it. And Absolutely. I don't know, li- like, listening to, to your podcast and, like, listening to John on a couple of interviews, I'm, like, looking back going, I should have asked you guys years ago, like, what was making you go? Because, I like, when we got to Nashville, we were like, oh, cool, we're here. And that's not how it works at all. I have a funny story about that. Tell me about that. Well, because when you got your deal with Flickr, yeah, that was like right on the heels of me getting dropped by yeah. my first label. Yeah. So I was like, for all intents and purposes, I was done. I lived in an apartment down the street from here that's like the size of this room. And I got evicted. I got my car repossessed. I mean, everything on paper said I was done. You know, it was a failed major label experiment. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? God has other plans. I'm not. I don't give up until He tells me to give up. Yeah. So I went to every label in Nashville. I had showcases. I had a real plan going into collaborations. Like this is what I'm going to do. This is going to work because of this. And I laid it all out for all those Nashville labels. One was Flickr. No, oh, really. And and I'll never forget because I think it was Bob. Was it yeah. Bob Herbert? Yeah. He kept going like, well. Have you ever thought about doing like a rap rock thing, like some Let Biscuit kind of like yeah. kid rock? And I was so committed to just surviving. I was like, all right, cool. I'll try that. <laughs> no, literally. Yeah, yeah. I had no, basically I, I been like, you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And he still didn't bite. Yeah. That's what got me really frustrated because I was friends with Pillar mm-hmm. on the label. And I'm like, dude, I've told you exactly what I'm going to do. I know it's going to work. I've even told you I'll do what you want me to do. Right. And he, the pushback eventually was like, yeah, we're just not going to sign anybody. And then they turned around and signed you guys. And I was so ticked off because I'm like... It was my fault, man. I was like, it's either... I was either like... I don't know. I was just I was just like, I can't believe this. Like, But it was a, it was a first... It yeah. happened on multiple occasions. That's right. what happened. And I was like, I was done with Nashville. That's why I signed yeah. with Tooth and Nail. Okay. Well, it's it's funny because that era was really interesting because all of the Nashville labels started taking interest in rappers. Mm-hmm. And I remember Sparrow Records called mm-hmm. us. Had a meeting and, with them. Yeah. And and, they, and I remember one point they were like, oh, I don't know. I, I wish you guys were a little more like, like Mars Hill. Oh, yeah. He loved Mars Hill. I'm like, that's not what we do at right. all. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think what got us with Bob was his eight-year-old son yeah. loved our demo. That's it. I think it was his son, specifically. Because the, an eight-year-old <laughs> is the focus group. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, un- unfortunately, uh, I mean, we had a great experience with all of that, you know. And we, you have your frustrations, because you always do in the industry. There's always going to be something that doesn't go the way you exactly want it. But um, that, that stuff aside, you know, I, I do know that album with them, we more deliberately... 
wrote down to the middle school and upper elementary in large part because that's what they wanted. Right. KJ in the place to be, and Pigeon John is a boy you will need to see. Uh, 5-2 is a true MC, and PJ got the hands up instantly. Now I'm rearranged And the way I look at myself Well, it ain't the 
change when I'm called on his name and Call me nerd, call me lame, it don't matter to me All I need to know is that my wife will dance with me uh. She's crumpled to the beat, she's crumpled to the beat Every single day of week KJ, in the place to be And my life pigeon job flowing easily You call me a nerd, you're a little dope When I'm on the microphone, I'm no joke That's totally freestyle, KJ I'm gifted, Holy Spirit filled And that's where the rhymes come from They don't come from my pencil My skills are evident They're strong, they're potential They're, I would even call it anointing Without blasphemy and I would say that I am the I am the best rapper in my block, in my in my vicinity. I'm the best one. Okay, so forget them. Bye bye. Well, you know, in that time too, that era, like early two thousands to mid two thousands in Christian music, like. It was Wild Wild West. No one knew what they were doing. Yeah. It was just like, well, it's selling in the mainstream. We should try it here. Yeah. And yeah. you had guys that had been selling Jars of Clay records and Pillar records. Yeah. Now thinking, well, if I if I do A and out comes B, that it should work with rap too. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, through trial and error, realized that it never works like that. Right. And, but I was at least savvy enough to go... I'm going to examine the market. How do I play to every yeah. market, every bit of the market, and I'm going to work like crazy yeah. to, to make it happen. And it's funny now because, again, like at the time I didn't think about it, but I'm still reaping the benefits of all that time. You know, And I got dissed severely by the Christian rap industry, but I made a very conscious decision to go... That industry is too small to to so, to support anything. Mm -hmm. So I've got to go and think bigger. And that's the irony is that now here I am all these years later, I can make just straight rap records. Yeah. If I mix rock and rap, or if I do anything that's considered youth groupy or whatever, I mean, there's some. They don't want that anymore. They yeah. want what the mainstream is, plain and simple. And I think yeah. the internet leveled that playing field. Yeah. It's it's funny to me. Um, because I, I kind of lost touch with you for a while, but recently revisiting some some of your records that came in that period after we lost touch was um, how many of your instincts were the same as mine, but you just actually did them. <laughs> um, for example, we invited Dave from Pax Two Seventeen and Rob from Pillar to be yeah. on our record. It didn't work out, gotcha. but like you had a similar idea. You you had Rob yeah. rap with you and. Um, we also talked about like covering a, you know, well-known Christian rock song or something like that. You, you See, that wasn't really my idea, but okay. I went with it. That was where the industry kind of kicked in. Sure. But I was like, all right, well, it's like works for Puffy. You might as well try it. <laughs> yeah, but she, you like actually. I mean, I guess you've done a couple, but you did. Um, you did the one with Rebecca St. James. I mean, like See, and that, you actually had her well, on there, which is yes and no. Okay. So what happened was there is I did a show. Her dad came up to me after the show, and okay. he said, whatever you want to use Rebecca for, let me know. Yeah. And her career was a little bit tapering off. I said, oh, man, well, it'd be crazy to do a collabo. At the time, I was working with her producer, Ted T. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Ted 
said, what if we just take one of the old songs since they hold the copyright and I'll go get the original. He went and got the original reels. Oh, really? He got like had to unbake the reels from the from the masters. Wow. And then resampled it and redid it. Now he had done the original track anyway, so yeah. so that's where that happened. You know what I mean? So but you know, again, I was just looking at this tiny pool of Christian rap, realizing yeah. it was so small and it wasn't sustainable. I had to start pulling in from other places. And the funny thing is if I did all this now, yeah. It would totally fall flat. Right. It would totally fall flat. It's not where the industry is. I, That's know, a hip hop has kicked there. rock out of yeah. the pantheon of the industry. Right. Like if I if I put a rock artist on my show, it will drive people away. Really? Absolutely. If I collaborate with a rock band, which I don't really even feel a passion to do this anymore, it would be the worst the least uh, song on there. Interesting. I'm telling you, it's like I can do just straight, and, and I'm always a genre bender, so I yeah, will yeah. always try to bend the genre a little bit. Sure. Part of that I do is so I'm not the same guy as everybody else because everybody pretty much does the same trap rap style. Yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, man, it's just a different world. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Which, but again, it kind of helps my career again because that kid that was in the youth group is now the youth pastor, or he's the promoter, right. Right. or he's the he's the 35-year-old dad that comes and drops 50 bucks on a VIP, mm -hmm. or he's, 75% of my backers were men over 30. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I didn't, see, and again, that's the things I got flack for. I got flack for, for playing the CCM role, or yeah. I got flack for being too youth groupy, or being too white, or whatever you want to pick. Whatever my peers, who I would have to say like 99% of them are no longer around, right. the ones that criticized, whatever their criticisms were, I am reaping the benefit of that 17 years later. Right. You know what I mean? And at the time, I wasn't thinking that way. I was just like going, bloom where you're planted. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I saw that you can't just do straight rap for rap's sake at, in 2000 you couldn't yeah yeah so take me from from how you went I mean it doesn't have to be a big answer but from Sons of Intellect Shadow of the Locust almost maybe that's not the right characterization but almost backpack rapper stuff oh absolutely to like the current record like there's a couple of straight up pop songs yeah. and like very catchy stuff right well you're looking at again it's like what's the mentality of a 19 year old kid What's the mentality of a 20-year-old in 1994, 95? Yeah. All I was is just reflecting where, as just a kid trying to figure out the music. Now, sure. Golden Child, at the yeah. time, was a kid, and I was just trying to kind of be his like mentor. We were seven years different, you know? But he was Lord. super talented. Yeah. And we just said, he, his leanings were Wu-Tang, my leanings were KRS, but, we were just like, okay, well, let's just make music. I don't know what you're doing. Do you know what you're doing? No, I don't know yeah. what you're doing. Let's just try it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, there was no blueprint. There was no internet. Well, there was internet, but, you know. So, you know, we were out there opening them for Wu-Tang. We were opening for yeah, Tribe. Yeah. We were opening for, you name it, we opened up for them. We were, you know, doing open mics and battle contests. And we yeah. were, but 
we were just being authentically us at the same time. So I think what you just really see is growth. As I hit 25-ish, right. I was like, man, I do like other stuff. I do like some genre bending where he didn't want to do that. So by that right. time, we were already split. So by the time you get to me doing a solo record, I'm not in a group anymore. Right. So right. if I want to do what's considered sellout commercial, <laughs> right. it's funny looking back, it's like, it's not... People always look at history revisionist. Right, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and anybody that, this is what I used to hear all the time, no matter what record I did, everyone said the previous record was better. <laughs> and more Ouch. real. And more real. You know what I mean? So if I put out 7th Avenue... the biggest criticism you can give of a rapper, that they're not being real, right? Yeah, but if I put out 7th <laughs> Avenue, everybody said I'd sold out. And that Sons of Intellect was more real hip-hop. Yeah. And now, then I put out collaborations. People go, Seventh Avenue was better. I put out, you know, it doesn't make a difference. Right. It's just that whatever you come in at, right, is what your connection is. That's it. Right. And that's what I, I understood that enough to know that I can't change that. And if yeah. I just keep listening to the ten percent that are very vocal, I'm missing the ninety percent that's right. loving it. Right. So I I made my bed and I laid in it. Yeah. So that's all it was, and then and then you know again I get a record deal. I'm working with Todd Collins, you know I'm in that system. So I was at least smarter, even though I fought a lot of the stuff he tried to do. Yeah. I at least at the, at the end of the day I said you know better than I do. Right. I'm gonna trust you on this. If you right. want to chop my 24 bar verse rap into two twelves, <laughs> okay, freaking fine. But I'm gonna go into it kicking and screaming. But I was like okay, and he would tell me, he would say if you will, if you will compromise now. You will reap the. You will be able to do what you want later. Right. And man, he was spot on. Yeah. I call it the class of 2000. You know, I, we came in when everybody was getting signed. LA Symphony, Grits was peaking. Yeah. Notaverbs got signed. You know, Cross Movement was just peaking. Yeah. You know, that class of 2000 was a big thing. Yeah. And I had. I hate to say it, but I can only think of one or two of those guys that is still around. Yeah, and I don't mean that to say, "Oh, I'm so great," and they're so terrible. Sure. It's just that I knew where I landed, and I had a very clear vision of how I was going to execute right. that. Yeah, that, that's that's the way you've got to do it, and that's the only way that you're going to be around. But most artists don't do that, old. right? You know what I mean? And yeah, no, I I understand. I've I've lived it. Okay, <laughs> there you go. I've lived that uh, not having a clear vision, and you know, and we we. Uh, we started taking regular jobs and stuff, and and when we stopped working with our booking agent management, I just thought, oh, it'll be no problem. I'll just send a query out to another booking agent, and everything will be fine. No, it didn't work that Boom. way. You're absolutely right. And, and and it was like, well, you know, there's still some shows coming to me, so I, you know, I can do this myself. Nope. Yeah, didn't no. didn't work that way. No, and the right. next thing I know, you know, a decade's gone by, and we're like, maybe we should work on that record we've been talking about. You know, <laughs> so it's it's been weird too for me. Is like. I am almost literally starting over. Oh yeah. Well, I you always know. looked at every record as starting over. Yeah. Every time I made an album, yeah. I was starting over. I didn't ever look at the previous yeah. and go, "Oh, I made it." Right. I looked at the previous and go, "What did I do wrong? What did I do right? Yeah. How can I make the things I did right better and the things I did wrong that's smart even better?" Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and uh, sometimes I hit it, sometimes I didn't, but I've sure. just you know, it's hard for artists to ignore the criticism. Yeah. That is usually from their own peers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I had to just kind of block it out and yeah. 
you know, and I'm, I'm sure anybody from that era still would look at me as like, oh, he just made it because he was church friendly and he was a youth group rapper and he played the game. To an extent, you're right, but it's never that simple. It's never right. that nuanced. Right. You know what I mean? And and you know what? For everyone that thought they kept it real, no, you didn't. You played the same game in a different way. Yeah. Everybody plays the game. Yeah. Everybody uses a gimmick. Everybody plays to the rules of that culture, of that genre. Yeah. It's just that you consider yours better than another one. Right. And the other ones don't really care because they're too busy <laughs> doing yeah. their thing. Yeah. Well, it's, I think the youth group circuit is tricky, too, because they... I mean, I guess in a sense it refills, right? But it's a new batch, so you almost have to, you know. Yeah, yeah. But see, that's the thing. Other thing I realized, like, that the platform was so much bigger than I ever thought it would be. Yeah. And I would get that stigma of you're just a youth group church, you know, Toby Mac clone rapper. And I'm like, do you know I'm out playing in front of twenty thousand people on a business seminar with George Bush? No, you don't know that because you're not paying attention. Do you know I just went and played Scribble Jam? which is the biggest battle yeah. contest in the world. No, you don't know that because you're just not paying attention. Right. Do you right. know that I'm putting in work at these local clubs and open mics, even while I have a record in the stores and I'm touring around the country? No, because you're not right. paying attention. Yeah. And you know what? I don't care because I'm not doing it for you. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But once I started realizing that hip-hop the platform was infinitely bigger, and now it's even bigger than ever because yeah. it's just regular music yeah once I realized that I was like no longer will I ever think small yeah yeah let's let's go back to that first record did you work with Todd Collins on the first one yes and no so I had done most of the album before I got signed okay so he heard it off a demo I had sent in and so the idea there was originally I was going to sign to go T yeah Toby didn't want to sign me okay and so Todd defaulted to his uh to his judgment okay. and then he ended up handing me over to Essential okay. which was a CCM label to the T yeah. so their goal was then to kind of like clean it up a little make it a little more slick and then we added maybe four new songs okay. I think something like that Okay. so it's a mixture of of yes Okay. And no. <laughs> so, so then from that point, you worked with him for several albums after that, right? Not, but again, not necessarily. So when okay. I did collaborations, he only did like two or three songs from scratch. Okay. Everything else, That's I got I mean. beats from Blake Knight, I got beats from Flynn, I got beats from Play-Doh. Sure. Um, so I just kind of redid the same thing. By the time I hit Pronounce 5-2, he did the whole record. Okay. And then behind the music, I started to want to produce myself. Okay. He still did the majority, but by the time I hit the yearbook, which is my fifth, I produced the whole thing myself. Oh, we weren't nice. even working together anymore. Okay. Yeah. So how many records have you put out so at this point? Dude, somebody brought <laughs> a girl brought like Saturday, she brought every CD I had ever done to have me sign it all. And there was nine nice. solo, including the newest. There was nine solo. I did two side projects and a remix. I would say nine. Okay. Yeah, not counting Sons of Intellect, make ten. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. And th- th- there was one too. Um, I think it was called B Sides and Rarities. See, that was put out. Okay, so that was put out in between <laughs> me getting uh, dropped. Okay. So I took some of the uns. I didn't have anything to sell for like a year and a half. Oh, jeez. So I didn't have a new deal. Yeah. And so I actually went back to Essential and said, Are you cool if I put out some of these songs that never came out? And I pressed it up myself just to have something else. Yeah, yeah. 
So that wasn't really. I only did it at shows. Obviously, it wasn't digital yeah. release, but um, well, it was just a sleeve, and that's literally all it was black and white photocopy liner notes. It's terrible like, looking. Yeah, but I, I, I remember enjoying it. There were some gems on there. Yeah, there was a few. And in fact, I, I found a bunch for the pledge. Oh, really? The pledge drive. Nice. I found like fifty, and so I, I put. I, you could buy them, and some of them were like in really, <laughs> really bad shape. Um, but yeah, and it was kind of like. How do I put out some of the Sons of Intellect stuff? I had a couple like extra. What had actually happened is I had done this song called The Champion. Okay. I'm sorry, 12 Round Knockout. It was for Carmen's movie called The Champion. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. up to that point, I couldn't get any radio play. And then I get dropped by the label, and then the song blows up. <laughs> and I'm like, my uh, timing is terrible. And it's a rap rock song. It's not even yeah. like. It wasn't even like my style, but I'm like, here we go again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But you never know what's going to resonate, right? So, now, now we met in that period. I think between Essential and yes. Tooth and Nail, and yes. uh, we met in Hawaii. Hawaii, was it Kona? No, it was, it was Big Maui. 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 It was yeah. the Big Island, right? No, no, that's Maui. right. In Maui, I came back yes. to the Big Island. You're right. Yeah, the Big Island is just south of yes uh, of Maui, <laughs> and that was such an interesting week. Um, you, no kidding. It was like technically we were on tour together, but we didn't see you much. No, we played a couple shows together, but you yeah. kind of had your own schedule. We had our own schedule, right? And like I remember, it's funny. Like there's a couple shows that stand out to me, but one of them you weren't at. We played a shopping mall. And there were like these three little old men sitting in the front row. Okay. They loved it, you know. Like it was that kind of weird tour. And then and then they've got some. Uh, I remember last night was in like. I don't it was know, in it was the a city cool venue. Yeah, it was in like a theater. Yeah. It was a great show. It was a great yeah. show. I remember your. Was it you or your your homie's shoes kept slipping? It was probably his. Yeah, probably his. Um, yeah, and that was a weird time because we were like. We were just trying to like still figure things out. We were starting to talk to labels, but you, we were... you made you two were the most interesting, hilarious, <laughs> weird people I had ever hung out with in a long time. And I think probably because of that, I was like, I'm really drawn to these guys because they're so bizarre, <laughs> but yet so like genuinely themselves. And I like, I think I, that resonated with me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And I must say, probably when you did the shopping center, I think I—is it maybe that was the day I went to the island? Yeah, yeah. I and I did so. the outreach on the street. Uh, Lehigh or something, or yeah, it was a like little that. island, or like hardly Le- anybody. Le- 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 Leilani or something. I, there was something only one like town yeah. on the place, and all those kids. It was really dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a little envious that we didn't get to play that one because it sounded like so cool to go to this tiny little island. Yeah, they did a. Uh, I remember they did a Polynesian dance. Okay. And a parade. <laughs> coming to see us and I realized as they were walking I'm like oh those guys don't have underwear on they're just in thongs I'm like oh it was cool on the front front now I'm like I feel just awkward <laughs> that's pretty amazing so what, one thing we did uh, so you know we I think we had had some exposure in like Seven Ball Magazine at that right. time but we were pretty much just like a west coast group we right. hadn't gone very far I think the furthest east we'd gone was like Las Vegas right and thanks to the internet, and we thanks were on mp3.com, some radio, some Christian hip-hop radio show, like, downloaded one of our songs and put it on rotation. So, wow, wow, West, man. So in Maui, they thought we were, like, a big deal. So I was, think in Maui, they thought everybody was a big deal. Because I was so blown away how many people showed up for that show. I'm like, I don't think you really are here to see us. You just think because it's rap. Like, yeah. 
That's that's true. And like I lived, I don't know if you knew this. I lived on the Big Island for a couple of years. Oh, I know. We don't get a lot of you know out there. They don't get a lot of uh, a lot of artists. That's what they were saying. Yeah. So it was like rap was coming from the yeah. mainland. It's yeah. a big deal because I'm I was at that point so struggling that I was used to shows of fifty to hundred people, and then to get right. I don't know what it was. It was probably maybe in my head it seemed bigger, but it was somewhere it seemed like somewhere between three to five hundred or something like that. Okay. I think I remember him shooting video. We hung out at the guy's house. I remember we yeah. stayed at his house. I got a severe burn. I remember that too. Yeah, me too. I got a burn too. It's because you're yeah. fair skinned though. You're like a well, I just think like a I ginger didn't, warrior. I didn't cover very well. well and I, like, I'm used to being in Florida. They're like, oh, we have no ozone here. <laughs> I got like a third degree burn on my back. <laughs> yeah, I I, remember, I I think we were both pretty lobsterish. Um, so a, a funny story that you may not realize was so we wrote a song called Cheese Rappers in Paradise. <laughs> For that tour, and my sister lived on the Big Island. Uh, she still does, actually. I had her shoot me like a list of Hawaiian words. Oh, really? And I worked them into the song. And we also we knew we were going to be playing with you, so we worked you into the song. And the problem was, I didn't know how to pronounce the Hawaiian <laughs> words. So, like, Hanaho is like encore, but it's H O U. So I read it as Hanahu. So I rhymed KJ52 and Hanahu. We get there, I think we got there like a day or two before you, and I put the song on for the, the guy who was putting on the shows. And he heard it and he was like, well, that's not how you pronounce that. That's not how you pronounce that. And we're like, oh crap. So we're like scrambling to rewrite. <laughs> anyway, we, we, we ended up- you with my broken Spanish here. Yeah, yeah. We, we fixed it and, and it was fun to perform. Um, and then, but then, like when we ended up getting signed, we wanted to use that song, but there were just too many references to girls, and uh, <laughs> nobody wanted us to do that song. You, so. you tell me the girl it was like the daughter liked you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was where it got really uncomfortable. Yeah, she was crushing big time. Yeah, she was like still high school or something like that. Yeah, right. But I mean, I was like. If you fast forwarded a few years, the age difference wouldn't have been a big right. deal. But at the time, right. the age difference was huge. I yeah. was no I was in college, and she was like a sophomore in high school, and yeah. Actually, uh, what happened? To them? Did you stay in touch with them? Or I, I connected with them on MySpace for a while, and then lost touch. Yeah, one, one. Of, I think the younger daughter um, had had kids in her early twenties or something. So not not that long after, but anyway. Great, great. Good time. Time. 
Stack my rhymes on tap and it don't cost a dime. Tropical flavor, life that I savor. Music, fashion, sense, I'm a beat enslaver. I want to walk on the beach so slow. I need to read so my mind will grow. I swim like a fishy to and fro. I'm gonna be a superstar if y'all don't know. Will you do that and I will go to the ATM to get some dough. Cause I met a girl in Cali at Arbit Show. Molecular Gimaka, I have some mistletoe. Yes. Hey, here's right. a camera. Let me right. take a picture of you. Right. I look very shocked. <laughs> My wife looks beautiful as usual. I'm just like, what is happening? I took pictures of everything back then. Um, and, and not everybody had cameras on their phones back right. then. So, like, yeah. you had no, I don't to think be, anybody had a camera phone in you 2002. You had to be deliberate. No, absolutely not. Yeah. I, I, had a, I was one of the first adopters of a digital camera. Nice. You know, it cost me like $1,000 for like three megapixels. I'm you sure. Know. Um, but so I, I know there was that, and I feel like when I was driving in today, if you think really hard, you can let me know whether I made this up or not. I feel like you came to Bakersfield one time when I was back. I was already living in Nashville, I think, and you were in like a, like a trailer. I don't know if it was your trailer, but it was at a Christian coffee shop in Bakersfield. And I... I the Jesus Shack? It was connected to Jesus Shack. I think it was Valley Bible that owned the coffee shop, though. Um, I played Bakersfield so many times. Okay. Yeah. My well, dad lives in Colinga now. I don't know where that where is. It's it? nearby. It's about okay. an hour away. Yeah. All right. So I'm pretty sure it probably wasn't your trailer. I think they had a trailer on the property that was like their green room. And, and I think uh, I think we had someone tell you, Royal Ruckus is here. Okay. And you had us come back, and I remember getting in this small trailer and catching up with you. That definitely sounds accurate. <laughs> but it could have literally been any year, at any town, in any place in America. 
Do, do you have any uh, jump out really awkward like highlights over the years of, of a show? In Bakersfield? Anywhere. Oh, and anywhere? Anywhere. Oh, man, dude. There's just so what many. bubbles at the top, you know? Like awkward? Just, just straight awkward? Sure. So much awkward. I have more awkward one-on-one interactions. Okay. But probably the first one where I was like, this is a terrible idea, was when I was booked to headline the White Privilege Conference in, like, Nowheresville, Iowa. What? How does anybody decide to have a conference like that? <laughs> Everything you're saying out loud was what was going through my mind as I was driving to this event. Because I'm thinking it's, like, some oh. white supremacist type stuff. Sure. And it's in the middle of Iowa. So I'm like, oh, we're in, in for a mess. Yeah. Well, it wasn't that. It was just exploring the con. This is way before this was cool to talk about. It's like yeah. 02-ish, maybe. Wow. This was like exploring the concept of white privilege, and it was actually a really... I don't think I even heard that term until a few years ago. Oh, no. So that's what I said. What the heck are you talking about white privilege? It was like, no, there's just the idea that what can you do with white privilege that can benefit people? And the, and the guy who was... I know, right? But it was very multicultural. It wasn't wow. just like a white thing. In fact, the guy who booked me turned out was from like a rival high school from here. Yeah. Somehow, he's a black guy, somehow winds up in the middle of Iowa. He goes, I want you to headline our gospel portion of the show. Yeah. I'm like, this just can't get any weirder. The show was fine. It was actually really cool. Like, And I met a guy who had written a book called Honky about his experience okay. of growing up as a white kid in Brooklyn, as the uh, only white Lord. kid. And I'm like, oh, finally someone can like tell my story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But it was super awkward. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. what do you mean? Like, This is everything that I'm against. Yeah, you know, I understand my place as a white guy doing doing rap. Much less, yeah. I'm not trying to like. But anyway, that was super awkward. Um, <laughs> but again, but everything okay. that, everything that goes into that I think is gonna be awkward always usually ends up really well. I just played yeah. a quinceanera. Oh wow! In, in New Mexico, all Spa- all Mexican, you know. And I'm like, yeah. This is a ter- why why am I doing this? And it was amazing. <laughs> like it was an incredible show. That's fantastic. Um, but like awkward things have been more like just one-on-one things. Like a guy tried to witness to me at my gym hmm. thinking I was someone who looked like KJ oh, while we're in funny. the bathroom. Wow. He's trying to That is awkward. I said I said no. I said I said no. I'm I am KJ and he goes, "Oh, and he cusses out loud. <laughs> oh, no thanks. So I'm kind of watching the old carbohydrates and glucose this week. Apple pie is just loaded with carbohydrates and glucose. <laughs> Heaven knows I shouldn't eat any. <laughs> Not if you're watching the old carbohydrates and glucose. You <laughs> got something to say, so I'm just gonna say it. Been cutting back, exchanging with this girl this time, I mean it. She quits, then she's in, then she's in it. Tailspin, man, I'm done spinning out. I'm sick of all the wail. Family forward into success. My eyes are on the prize. Onward and up until Christ says arise And the whole world gets reprised He wipes all the cries Duck for fries Got me changing subject in the rhyme In my mid-thirties and I just reached my prime When I make a whole turkey Always prep it with a brine Word up to grandma for working hard in the kitchen Making things nice while kids were tumbling and bitching Listen little chump, I don't bother with no breakfast Always playing with that fasting and seeking new perspectives Like Samson in this piece And I be slamming keys Orthodox enough that you think that I'm from Greece Got something to say, but it's not what you'd expect You make ridiculous claims, at least last time that I checked I'm not Kenny Lamar, not Jay-Z or M Royal Rock is coming back until your moment is in I got something to say, but it's not what you'd expect You make ridiculous claims, at least last time that I checked Not Kanye West, not Drake or Rakim Royal Rock is coming back until your moment is in I had a pet squirrel for a second, I 
I'm not kidding Shared it with my best girl But ended up quitting Released them both into the wild With my wishes and a smile Priest said work on me a while But she makes me such a grecophile Grew a beard for a year Cause Mike and I were bored Girls praises here A few had hoped to score Remember Mandy Moore? I hear she's free again We could open for her tour But someone have to phone it in Bless her with a beard Restart a rap career And make a chick flick starring Mr. Belvedere Charles in charge at 7.30 Full house at 8 o'clock I know it's hard to swallow I'm still Jimmy from the block Used to have a little Now I save once in a while Dudes asking how can you afford Your rock and roll lifestyle Mostly poor budgeting Dave Ramsey books on credit Should probably spend more time Reading money tips on Reddit Got something to say But it's not what you'd expect You make ridiculous claims At least last time that I checked I'm not Kenny Lamar Not Jay-Z or M Royal Rock is coming back And check your moment is in I got something to say But it's not what you'd expect You make ridiculous claims At least last time that I checked Not Kanye West Not Drake or Rock Kim Royal Rock is coming back And check your moment is in Yo, microphone check, one, two What is this? Piece of the nice guy rapper pie stimulus? Know the verbs, had the syllabus Homie was my friend, cruising round in his jalopy Needed a heater and a tin I miss KJ5 and T-Bone Who would pretend to remember our names But it didn't offend I even pinned all the raps Never lived up to the dream Don't really give a crap Joke's on you for listening Bakersfield, land of the cat pill Raised in a six-bit house and scared of Oildale My mom once lived in Compton, so that makes me half street You could have been Ice Cube, but instead you grew up sweet My liver's paying dearly for life's magic activities I quit eating sugar so I never get a cavity On tour with Cure and Billy Idol tribute bands Pigeon John will text me back, he's rapping in Thailand Got something to say, but it's not what you'd expect You make ridiculous claims, at least last time that I checked Not Kenny Lamar, not Jay-Z or M Royal Rock is coming back and check your moment is in I got something to say, but it's not what you'd expect You make ridiculous claims, at least last time that I checked Not Kanye West, not Drake or Rock Kim Royal Rock is coming back and check your moment is in You don't believe that, huh? What? Did you ever see that? No! If you never saw that, then don't talk well, You're gonna stand right there in front of me A grown man able to read and drive a car and have dates and everything and tell me that you believe there was such a thing as a magic lamp? I never saw that lamp. I do not know what spirit was evoked by that lamp. And therefore, I cannot discuss the subject intelligently. I'm like, where do we go from here? Yeah. Oh, that's so, funny. Yeah, my life is a never-ending awkward experience. So this, this one didn't happen directly to me, but we played... You remember Spirit West Coast? Of course. I mean, that probably still exists. Um, yes. So we played... Uh, Spirit West Coast one year and Kirk Cameron was the speaker on the same stage right after us. I got a Kirk Cameron story too. And, oh, I want to hear it. Um, so a couple of our friends that we uh, that were in a, a rock band, we used to play with them a lot. And in fact, uh, a couple of those guys did some guest spots on one of my albums. Um, they're standing there on the side of the stage watching us. Kirk Cameron walks up and hands them Bible tracks and asks them if they know Jesus. <laughs> Sounds like, pretty accurate. Kurt Cameron is watching me rap while he's witnessing to my friends. You yeah, know, Mike like, Sieber, Incredible. Man. He's doing it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I you? hope Kurt Cameron get through the priority line at Delta. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, we, we had to ride to the airport together. He wasn't really saying much until I was like, oh, we, I knew yeah. some mutual people. And so he started opening up a little bit. And then when we got to the airport, it was like he had never checked in to an airplane. And I was okay. thinking... 
oh, maybe, you know, he's just grown up so, like, well off that he's never had to do this. Yeah. And, and he would just kind of look, he was kind of, like, staring at the kiosk like he had never seen one before. I'm like, do you want to just walk with me? Like, <laughs> I have diamond status. We can skip the line. He goes, oh, okay, great. And then it, I had just previously been the host of the stage he was speaking at, but I okay. didn't perform. So the whole time, he thought I was the stage manager. Oh. <laughs> so... He kept asking me stage manager questions like, hey, what size is my stand? Where's my thing to put yeah. my notes on? And and I'm like, I swear this guy thinks I'm just the road stage manager. I said, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to let him think I'm the stage manager. I went and yeah. brought him <laughs> I went and brought him like a road case. And all he had was literally a piece of paper in his hand. And I'll never forget, he took it and he just dropped it onto the road case. And he went, this will work. <laughs> oh, that's great. I was like, this is my childhood in front of my eyes because I was a huge Growing Pains fan. But yeah, yeah, I think awkward attracts awkward, and I could yeah. definitely have done some awkward stuff. Yeah, no, I, I I hear you. Probably the most awkward one that happened to me was at GMA, and we we were on a bus of a bunch of like buyers for Christian bookstores. And we're doing the name game with them, and they're, they're like going from downtown Nashville to a show at, the, at like Opry Mills or something. Um, on the way back, I used the restroom in the bus and forgot to zip my my shorts up. So for 20 minutes, I'm standing there with my fly. Nobody down. said anything. Nobody said anything until we pulled up. Oh man! And I was like, "Your discretion is not appreciated." <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. I, we don't have a lot of time, but. Yeah. Um, you know, we do have a segment on most shows for shipwrecks. Shipwrecks, that's right. If you got a story or two to share. I have literal shipwrecks because my parents were boaters. Okay. <laughs> but hey, love boat, not you shipwreck. Hey, love boat, not you shipwreck. Hey, love boat, I'm walking in the club like, um, excuse me, not you shipwreck. Hey, love boat, not you shipwreck. Hey, love boat, not you shipwreck. Hey, love boat. I'm walking in the club like, oh my bad, not you, shipwreck. Oh, heck no. It's not as exciting as, uh, well, I mean, you know, you again, would be the first to give a literal an shipwreck, actual right? shipwreck at uh, Higgins Lake Boat Club when I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> the, the sunfish crashed into the other one. Anyway, uh, um, yeah, so, well, you know, again, talking about, like, longevity in the music industry, it's, like, it's funny how once you hit about 10 years in, you're considered irrelevant. So you have yeah. to, like, kind of figure out how to rebrand yourself. Yeah. And for about 10 to 15 years, somewhere in that 10 to 15-year range, you really struggle because they move on to the next guy. Yeah, yeah. It's like a changing of the guard. But what happens is if you can kind of stick around long enough, then you get the swing around effect of now you're nostalgia. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, 15 years is long enough for someone to go from kid to an adult. So it really doesn't matter if they consider your stuff sucked back in the day. You're now someone's childhood. Yeah. And then you can live off someone's childhood nostalgia yeah. for a long time. But during that sort of middle period, you know, I got... Uh, dropped by my booking agency I got um, basically what the big thing happened was two major organizations that I was working with both went out of business owing me one $25,000 oh, the geez. other one 
was a organization, a ministry that like booked me for like three months to do a tour and then canceled the entire thing two weeks prior. Oh. So one, I can't get shows for all those months because I've blocked it all off. Yeah, that's And two, the money's not there now. Right. So this is, they both almost happened like back to back. Wow. So I'm now out somewhere in the $50,000 range and scrambling to get any show. I can't. Yeah. But it's just not the way shows work. Yeah. But and now it's also following in that sort of period where people have moved on. You know, the industry, I'm considered... Right the old guard and they want to move to the next thing and right. you know it's a really hard time to rebrand yourself when you're dead in the water so I contemplated quitting I went and got a personal trainer certification thinking I had to get a job yeah. I floated you know I went from getting you know shows that might be a couple grand that pay the bills to just hoping to got to get a $250 show locally right. Right. you know anything Right. And that's when I was like, maybe it's just time to call it quits. Maybe it's time. Maybe I'm done. Maybe it's time to move on. But I was dead in the water. I was dead weight. Industry people didn't want to work with me. My fellow peer groups didn't want to work with me. Yeah. Then we tried to do another tour that like was supposed to be 20 dates. It ended up being three. I mean, it was just Jeez. problem after problem after problem after problem. And I and I and this is no this is no secret because I've talked about it on my social media. But ended a working relationship with my manager of over 12 years and in that period of time you know there was discrepancies and money paid out no royalties were paid out on one of the albums that uh, she she had released yeah um to the point where two years had gone by and i come to find out nobody on the album had been paid wow. from a royalty standpoint yeah yeah and so now we're beefing over this right uh i end that relationship and now i am now completely on my own and that's the scariest thing you've ever you could ever do when you've worked with somebody for 12 years and yeah, yeah. you're no longer in the major label sure. system. I mean it was this is literally about this time last year. Okay. So you're talking I have $50,000 in credit card debt. I have no momentum in my career. I've now ended a relationship with the person that helped guide my career for all these years and I have not gotten paid on all my art for that project. Wow. Um, and all my people that help work on the record have not gotten any royalties. Right. And I'm just unraveling one problem after another and after yeah. another. And now I've got this crossroads where I go, do I just throw in the towel and give up? Or do I keep pushing on? And do I handle this in a way that reflects Christ and not my bitter feelings right. of hurt? Right, yeah. And that's when I did crowdfunding. And that's when I... And it's funny... During that period of two years where it was really just terrible, this guy hands me a book, this youth pastor, he gives me a book called Do Over, and it was by Jonah Acuff. And essentially the book oh, yeah, was about yeah. when you hit rock bottom, how out of that can come new skills, passions, and right. talents, but you have to hit rock bottom to even know that because you're so caught up in your normal way of living. Yeah. And I looked back and realized out of that two years, I picked up the spray cans again, I started doing graffiti art. I hadn't touched graffiti art in years yeah out of that spray out of that graffiti art not that I'm some great writer or anything but I started getting murals yeah. I started getting you know all kinds of new things opened up with the graffiti That's art dope. that was not there before yeah. and it was a new expression right right I started doing this local school assemblies I was scared to death 
yeah. you can put me in front of 50,000 people. You put me in front of 300 junior high kids and I have to speak, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But yeah. I pushed in and I figured out how to do it. That's now awesome. I have a passion and I can survive in the worst environment possible. Yeah. Then I also, you know, a few people started coming to my rescue, like Derek Miner, you know. When no one else wanted to work with me, he was like, dude, you're, you're, you're a pioneer and you're a treasure to our genre. Whatever you need, I'm here to help. Production, wow. advice, studio time. Didn't want to dine. In That's that awesome. And, and then, like I said, if you can wait long enough, all of a sudden the nostalgia starts helping you. Those that had been kids are now adults. So I do my first crowdfund. People come out of nowhere to go, hey, dude, uh, I'm going to donate to you my mix time. I'm going to donate to you graphic wow. design. I'm going to donate to you a reduced rate on mastering. I'm going to donate to you uh, graphic design. I mean, you name it. Just yeah. people out yeah. of nowhere, just out of sheer appreciation, That's just awesome, gave. Man. And then I hit 200% of my goal on the crowdfund. Yeah. And then all the things that I had been praying for became a reality. Became a teaching pastor. Uh, started doing school assemblies. The shows all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just started coming back. Yeah. Uh, and then now, I'm operating in multiple worlds of speaking, pastoring, performing, and I am six months from 43. Yeah. And all intents and purposes, I should be done. Yeah. And instead, I'm enjoying probably the best year I've had That's in awesome. 10 years. And it's not to say that there's just still been problems because sure. then that same manager went and put my record out again. Okay. Digitally. Yeah. So I'm right back to where I was and I had to go and like get it pulled down and start the process again of getting these guys paid. Yeah. So, but I realized through it that you can be bitter or better. Yeah. I yeah. could have been bitter about it or I said I'm gonna handle it in a way yeah. that I believe that God would have me handle it. Yeah, and I feel like I reap the benefits of that. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah, that's so, awesome. I, yeah. I appreciate sharing so, that with you. I ship. It's like I, sh I wrecked the ship, and then I took the wood, <laughs> and built the house with it. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the best way I can compare it to. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, shipwrecks, as I say in the theme song, aren't always as they appear. And uh, I, yeah, I know because when uh, we nicknamed that kid Crash <laughs> when I was in seventh grade, you said about the real shipwreck. Oh, when I was in seventh grade. <laughs> We really did wreck the boats yeah. into each other. And so that kid's name was Crash oh, forever. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Wow. Do you keep in touch with Crash? Uh, no, but I know people that do know him. My cousin stays in touch with him, and I never sailed a boat after that. I was like, I'm done. That's fantastic. Yeah. As if it's possible to boil personhood to simply colors and regions. Like we're just the sum total of our molecules and happenstances. No, like, how you deal with this when you're the child of a black militant whose entire network of friends and family only Spanish, that's LA. Like, what you think it's like? We different, but the same. We cover by the blood of the game. Uh, I don't do black music. No. I don't do white music. No. I do fight music. Unified in Christ music. Uh, Let's get right to it. Hear the music right to it. From the context of a black kid fighting through it. And some folks said it was worldly. It was too good. And some folks were scared of it. It was too hood. So I took it to the places who would embrace it. And sometimes, believe it or not, it was white faces. Am I a sellout assimilating what's in my head? No, I am Cyclops on me because all I see is red. People covered in the blood on my fam. And we don't just relate, we all related through the lamb. My family trees are lowercase t. And we are all the same.
Eminem. questions and we'll uh, wrap it up awesome um number one you have no beard have you ever tried growing a beard <laughs> well okay so two reasons why i'm not i'm follically challenged okay uh one when i was young i used to had such a baby face when i was 25 i had such a baby face i grew a goatee to look older all right but i also realized when i was trying to grow to grow a tea i couldn't grow a proper <laughs> it's like i have weird spurts of follicles yeah, on my face yeah. so like I could never grow a full beard I got you I couldn't even connect the goatees together okay. like the top and the bottom and one time I grew it in I just looked so dirty but the main reason is that I have very oily skin okay so if I grow even if I just take a day and don't shave yeah. my skin gets super oily so I have to shave every day to like exfoliate essentially okay. but the real reality is by me not having a beard makes me look like I'm still super young. So now I do the opposite. I, you know, wear a hat, I keep, you know, I have yeah, all my hair, yeah. but I'm saying these sure. are things I've learned at 42 to not look 42. Yeah. So when you sent me that picture and yeah. I compared it to now, people were like, dude, you haven't aged in 15 years. I'm yeah. like, well, yeah, some of that's upkeep, but, <laughs> but yeah, but I have, yeah, my dad can't really grow a beard. That's pretty funny. We're weird Sicilians. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Well, so I've, I've got the opposite problem, though. Like, about a, two years ago, I cut I cut everything yeah. off. And everybody said I aged when I took my beard <laughs> off. So, I don't know. I don't know. It depends yeah, on the person, I, I guess. It does. And I, I and now it's cool to have a beard. Plus, dude, it's Florida, man. It's so freaking hot out. I that's couldn't true. imagine having facial hair. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. But, but that, see, that's good. the opposite. I know many dudes in Florida <laughs> that have epic, yeah. epic yeah. beards. So, uh yeah, I have no desire to have facial hair at all. I got you. Uh, what about tacos? Do you have a favorite taco? Uh, two favorite ones I ever had was uh, I had street tacos in Baja. Nice. That was amazing. Might have been donkey, I'm not sure, but it was still good. <laughs> You'll never know. You'll never know. It doesn't matter. Uh, but I also had Korean oh, yeah. fish tacos in okay. Sacramento nice. one time at this restaurant that does only that, and it was crazy good. Yeah. I, lo- I definitely like fusion tacos. Yeah. Uh, next time you're through Orlando, keep I'll be there eye. tonight. Oh well, if you have time, okay, tell me where. It's like a uh, Taco China. How you spell it? Uh, it's actually T A K O. Oh okay. And then uh, China is 
it's either China or two E's. But it's it's basically supposed to be China. Okay, I'll figure it out. Uh, I, I think it's two E's, but um, everything they do is Asian fusion. Okay, so good. It's, it's incredible. Yes. They, they do. And they have like solid vegetarian options too if you feel like you need to get some veggie tacos. No. So, uh, do you have a podcast or a book you'd like to plug? Something you've read no book, or listened but you, to recently? You can, Oh, uh, a book I've read? So, so, something uh, that's just I'm impacted a big, you recently. I'm a big podcast junkie, so I listen to two... There's two that I... I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but okay. two that I've really dug from understanding the female mind is... And one is a, a, a Christian-based one, and the other one is completely not. Okay. Uh, one is called What She Wants, and it's it used to be called Ask Women. Okay. And it's just these, like, two girls giving advice to men who don't know how to handle women, which really doesn't apply to me because I've been married for 20 years. But Yeah, but I think that, that says a lot if you can benefit from it. Well, really know. what it's taught me is what it means to be alpha, and that's yeah. understanding that nice guys really don't finish first, yeah. and that we've been conditioned to be nice and not realize that's not what women want. Yeah, They want alpha. So the other one is called Sexy Marriage Radio, and yeah. it's from a Christian standpoint, but it's just exactly like it sounds. It's the opposite. It's saying how uh, sex and marriage is the most beautiful thing it could be, but then it's, I mean, they get really down to the nitty gritty. So those two have been really good. Um, What's the second title again? Sexy Marriage Radio. Okay. First one is uh, What She Wants. It used to be called Ask Women. Um, I'll put those in the show notes too. Yeah. And then another one I really dig is uh, The Cypher Show. Okay. Uh, It's a podcast. They do really in-depth interviews. Sometimes they do graffiti artists. I mean, it just, you know, it depends. And then I've been listening to Stuck in the 80s for like a thousand years. That's another one. Uh, and then uh, I used to love Juan Epstein when it was out. Okay. Stop. It's not out anymore. Okay. But, uh, yeah. And you've got a podcast now. Yes. kd 52 Podcast. Very simple name. How'd yeah. you come up with a name? <laughs> I realized how technologically challenged some of my fan base is so I was like how can I make this still as simple as possible and they still go what's the what's the address <laughs> it's embedded I can't read it I'm like it's my name plus podcast yeah can you send that to me I'm like mm. come on man I can't hold your hand through it yeah that's pretty bad so I've been using my podcast more just for the really core fans like yeah. doing really specific podcasts yeah but I just did one called why did NF outsell Lecrae and it shot through the roof so I realized that maybe I might start steering more towards sure. hot-button topics. Um, but then I've also used it as an outlet to put my messages on, so as yeah. a teaching pastor. Yeah. So. I heard the, I heard the one on the 80s. Yeah, there you go. I liked it. Just about Breakfast Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, all right, and what are your socials? Um, I mean, KJ52 Instagram for Instagram. That's literally how it sounds. KJ52 at Twitter. KJ52 at Facebook. Uh, that's about all I use. I'm sure I have a MySpace floating around there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually discovered we still have a MySpace up. I, I think like, a lot of us do. Like, the question oh. is, does any of us still have a login password? That no, would be amazing. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't know how to do it. All right, well, my socials are at Royal Ruckus or at Royal Ruckus Official. Um, they just steal off the Oh, let me say, and I dig switch. your podcast too. Oh, thanks. Because I like how you've explored backstories on people that I was always curious about. Yeah. Like, yeah. the Future Shock backstory was really fascinating. Yeah. You know, uh, even your explanation of uh, Greek or Orthodox uh, yeah, yeah. 
I grew up with a bunch of Orthodox kids. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so cool. I knew about the Greek Orthodox Church like way back when I was a heathen. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. That's the story for the next time. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun doing it, and and actually, it, you know, with stories like like yours and uh, Cookbook and John Rubin, guys that have been around that that I know, and then like are now doing music without anything to lose. Well, I still got something to lose. True. I definitely true. have something to lose. That's true. I think Rubin definitely has nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I can't I guess, speak for Cookbook, but I, I guess I guess you do, but. Um, but still, you don't have the, the You're restrictions right. you You're used to have. Right. You know? You're absolutely right. And and initially, I was thinking I wanted to do a, a several interviews and like write a blog post on you guys. And then I went, you know what? Like I got this podcast idea over here. I got this blog post. Put them together. And you know, I did. We did a two-hour interview with Ruben for the documentary. Really? And I would say one hour and fifty-nine minutes. It is all unusable. <laughs> He just he just went into John mode and it had nothing to do with my documentary. It was great. He's amazing. He's yeah. my boy since way back. Yeah. But I'm like looking at the director. I'm like, yeah, we can't use that. Either. This has nothing to do with the documentary. But it was still really good. That needs know. to go on the bonus disc. I don't know. <laughs> we fed some of it out, you know, and like I just don't. It's a different era, man. Like yeah. I don't know if people understand the politics of even what we've talked about. Because yeah. we would talk about it for an hour, like what was it like to be a white guy doing Christian yeah. rap in yeah. the early 2000s. People don't even think like that. Right. It's not even a thing anymore. Yeah. But well, dude. Times they are changing. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being on, on the show. Um, oh, one last thing. Uh, and I'm putting you on the spot for this. Favorite rap song of all time. Oh. Chris, you've listened to some episodes. So you, What's that? You've listened to some of the episodes, <laughs> so you should have known this one was coming. Favorite rap song of all time? Or just at least something that is. Just I can a give you my top five. I can give you my top five. Is as long as you can settle on one to end the show with. I can tell you the song that like made me love rap. It's not even my favorite song, okay. but the that song works. that made me like all of a sudden change my genre. Love is "It Takes Two by Rob Bass, oh, DJ Easy Rock. Such a good song. Which something about the sonics of it. Yeah. The mystique around it, yeah, what made me go no more hair metal, yeah. You know, I was a casual rap fan, but after that, it's like I never looked back. Yeah, but uh, I would say the second would be like uh, uh, Welcome to the Terradome. Ah, yeah, like Public Enemy. Third might be, oh, dang dude, probably third would might be Ain't No Joke by uh, Eric B and Rakim. Yeah. Cause I just put your mind on pause and I complete when you compare my rhyme with yours. I wake you up and as I stare in your face, you seem stunned. Remember me, the one you got your idea from. But soon you start to suffer, the tuna get rougher. When you start to stutter, that's when you had enough of fighting it'll make you choke. You can't provoke, you can't cope, you should have broke because I ain't no joke. joke. Saying, maybe me, myself, and I by De La Soul. Just my De La Soul. What I do ain't make believe. People say I sit and try. But when it comes to being De La, it's just me, myself, and I. See, I can't do this, dude. It's, it's, it's hard. But I would definitely say Rob Bass was the first thing that, like, okay. 
was my was my Paul on Damascus moment. I, I did a uh, top ten rappers, like top ten MCs posts on Instagram. That was no small controversy. Um, and even like revisiting Possibly. it, like people would say things. I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I didn't think about him. He totally knocks it." Like, it just depends on the day. It's it's hard to know. It's like I posted up like I posted up all nine of my albums. I said, "Which one is your favorite?" Yeah. Never was there. I thought, "Oh, but if I can find the one thing that's the main favorite right. of the fans, it's not." I couldn't find it because yeah. I realized that people came into my career at so many different points. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, thanks. Thanks for being on, dude. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm Jamie Bennett. Yeah. Also known as Chun J from Royal Ruckus. I'm here with KJ52, aka Jonah. <laughs> I used to call you Crazy Jonah. <laughs> KJ. Anyway, um, yeah, this is Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks. If you like what you're hearing, please uh, give us a, a five star review on iTunes. It helps people find it. Uh, if you don't like it five stars enough, just don't review it, please. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you, man. It takes two. Right about now, you're about to be possessed by the sounds of MC Raw Face and DJ Easy Rock. Listen to my rhymes cause I'm all about dissing
Get busy, ready now? One, two, three, get loose now. 